Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of InsureTech Briefly, a quick legal review involving innovations in the insurance space. My name is Scott Gallum, and I'm an attorney at the law firm of Clark Hill. I'm joined today by my colleague, Robert Tomlinson, who's a partner at the firm. What's our topic today, Scott? Well, I figured we'd talk about surplus lines. It's a, it's a topic that comes up quite a bit in the InsureTech space. Uh, it's also referred to as excess, ENS, non-admitted, unauthorized, or specialty lines. The surplus lines market refers to coverage that is not available through licensed insurers or products in the standard market. Basically, insuring anything an admitted insurer won't cover. Typically, this includes coverages for unusual, high, or difficult-to-place risks. That's right. The surplus market really only covers risks that are unaddressed by the admitted market. Common examples of surplus lines would include high-rises, large commercial auto fleets, environmental, or other substandard risks. These are the types of risks or coverages that can't be written on a standard admitted policy. Uh, an underwriter has to do a more bespoke assessment of the risk and write a policy that corresponds to that. Yeah, and in addition to those kind of difficult to place risks, our listeners will be interested in surplus lines because of their potential to help develop new coverages. When trying to bring an, inno- an innovative product to market, for example, you may lack the data, any sort of loss history from which you can actuarially price the business and justify that to a regulator. Uh, Surplus lines may allow a company, however, to develop that loss history before seeking admission into the standard market. Clearly, surplus lines can allow new entrants to experiment with products, with pricing, and even consumer need. Uh, But this is a legal podcast, so let's talk a bit about how surplus lines are legally regulated, because that differs considerably from the admitted market. Yeah, it does. So the insurers are typically not licensed in the jurisdiction where they're writing surplus business, although there, there are a few exceptions to that. Uh, they are subject, however, to the solvency and other regulations of the domicile jurisdiction, whether that's in the U.S., um, you know, in a U.S. state or territory or abroad. And Lloyd's is, of course, the, the dominant player in the, the alien market. There is a big difference from the standard market, though, where, where compliance largely falls to insurers even though those insurers delegate responsibility to producers, in the excess market, surplus brokers bear the the brunt of the regulatory burdens. Yeah, excess and surplus lines uh, in that market, both the product and potentially the carrier too, is largely outside the jurisdiction and therefore outside the jurisdiction of the commissioner. Um, It's the licensed surplus lines broker who's within that jurisdiction and the commissioner um, can hold that broker to task and that broker can be penalized and be held to account for any failings with respect to the state regulations. Yeah, so the, the insurance departments obviously will, will regulate those, those surplus lines brokers, but there's also a form of self-regulation through the, hands, the handful of state-specific stamping offices uh, that are throughout the country. Surplus lines brokers must ensure the entire transaction complies with all applicable regulations. In the first instance, the business must be written with an eligible insurer that doesn't raise any solvency concerns. And so the, the broker is really tasked essentially with vetting the insurer uh, for, for which it's placing the business. The broker is also tasked with heightened reporting requirements uh, and collecting and remitting taxes and stamping fees on that business. This is increasingly done through online portals that are set up through surplus lines associations or the departments. They're, they're, basic, um, they're, they're basic essentially repositories for transmitting information, uploading documents, you know, and collecting, collecting taxes. 
The brokers also need to provide notice to insureds that varies by state, but essentially tells the insureds that, uh, for one, the policy is not going to be covered by the state's guarantee association if the insurer, for whatever reason, becomes insolvent. And two, the insurer is not subject to the, uh, the state's, state's regulations and protections. Yeah, so that's a lot there. You've, you've said a lot, and it really places a real responsibility on the part of the surplus lines broker. Um, what I have found with my clients that in addition to all of those, the hurdle which they find to be most burdensome is that for, at least for insurtechs, is the diligent search requirement. Um, and you know that that search requirement requires a broker to ensure that there's no coverage in the admitted market for the product that's being offered. That's fine if you're writing a large environmental risk or the risk is either on the export list or you're calling agents in the jurisdictions on a weekly basis for declinations. Um, it's a whole different problem if you're quoting 500 or 5,000 a day, 5,000 quotes a day, as some insure techs hope to do, in which case the diligent search requirement becomes impossible. Um, I think regulators are either gonna have to rethink the mechanics of the diligent search requirement or more readily admit new and innovative products to the market. Yeah, look, there's a lot to be said uh, on on surplus lines. The diligent diligent search requirement would be could be a, a podcast or two or three all on its own. Uh, but I think we're we're about out of time today. If you think you may benefit from hearing about InsureTech and insurance regulations five minutes at a time, please follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only, and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient.